We uh, continue with our study of First Corinthians. We've been there quite some time. Still have a little bit to go. We're moving on. We are in uh, chapter 12. And uh, we're in the section that's dealing with spiritual gifts. And uh, we saw that last week that everybody in the body of Christ has uh, gifts. And we saw that we have the capacity to actually minister, to serve the people of God. And according to this unique gift, it's very unique, you are the only one in the whole world that has your particular gift. And you are equipped with all you need. And we saw that the source is the Holy Spirit, comes from God. And isn't that great to know that the Holy Spirit lives in you and everything comes from God? You are empowered with the Spirit of God. And the purpose of it all, we saw last week, is for the profit of all. It's for the good of others. For edification of others. That's why uh, gifts are given to us. To build each other up. For the common good, as he said. And we saw that uh, there's a selective list in 1 Corinthians 12. They're not all there. Uh, It's not an exhaustive list. There's several listed. In Romans 12, there are um, several listed. Ephesians, we see that there are several listed there. Uh, not exhaustive, but if you add all those together and then you put them in the way that God has those gifts and the way that He mixes them together for each one, now you have something that is very amazing, unique, and it helped the church from the very roots of the church all the way up to right now, present time. There are permanent edifying gifts. There are temporary gifts. But uh, we can see that gifts can be divided up into uh, speaking gifts and ministering or serving gifts. And we looked at a couple of those uh, speaking gifts and a serving gift last week uh, in chapter 12. And now we come to verse 9, which says to another faith by the same spirit. Wait, I think we covered faith, uh, believing God. Um, same spirit to another the working of miracles to another prophecy um, you know what where's it at healings to another faith by the same spirit to another gifts of healings by the same spirit to another working of miracles to another prophecy to another discerning of spirits to another different kinds of tongues to another the interpretation of tongues but one the same spirit works all these things distributing to each one individually as he wills so we see God working all in this and in the, in the way that He wants it. So what we do is we take a passage that is probably one of the most... I don't know, there's so many controversial passages in Scripture. You ever notice that? There, It seems like everything that you run into, there is some kind of disagreement in the body of Christ on whatever. And uh, now I hope on the basic elements, whether it be the deity of Christ or... Uh, the resurrection or uh, the, the, the death of Christ, all those basic elements, we have to agree on those. There are many other ones that in the church we know that, hey, I have my belief on this. Others have this over here. Here's why I'm taking it because here's what I think the Scripture is saying. Here is what um, others have said. I'm not just taking my own thing, right? That's the way that we, sh- we should do it. But what do we do when there are so many different views? Well, it becomes controversial. And... In the body of Christ, really, you know, we shouldn't, uh, there's really no reason to get upset. We're here for uh, the remainder of our time, and until we come to the unity of the faith, as it says in Ephesians 4, uh, we'll be uh, having differences with um, 
people in the church on a lot of different things. And there are rooms, there are, there's room, I guess you can say, for debate on, on many elements. But um, what we want to do is take, for instance, this gift of healing, gifts of healing is what it says. There are many different kinds of healing there. But take that and delve into the Word of God and let the Scripture speak for itself and then discern for ourselves what is meant by some of these gifts. And uh, we've all come from different backgrounds. Believe me, we have. And we've been in, in a lot of situations that, that is different uh, than uh, maybe others, right? And we've believed differently. Uh, but as time has gone on, even as Christians, you guys have grown, haven't you? You've been able to take more things in, grow in those we know to be truth. There's other things that we've dropped off, whether it be sin or whether it be doctrines that were good, but we, there are certain things that we don't really have to spend a lot of time on and deal with because we, we just move on. Um, other things, there are bad doctrines that we had earlier that uh, the Lord showed us through Scripture over many years and we, and we drop with those and we move on. Uh, what we want to do is be able to discern what, uh, what God is saying in these particular verses. And where we want to arrive is whatever the truth is. And it may take the rest of our lives to even come to the certain conclusions. On this one, I, help, uh, I would say that there would, I would hope there would be some help for us today on understanding uh, what is meant by this because of so many different um, views. Uh, a question we want to ask ourselves is this. Are we today to expect the gifts of, let's say, healing that some say they have today to be identif- actually perfectly identical to the way that the gift was used in the New Testament, the way that it was used by Jesus? the way that it was used by apostles. That's one thing that we want to ask ourselves. Was it used that way? Yes or no? Or, well, let's, let's look into it, right? Um, are they in the way that Jesus did it? And that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at Jesus' miracles. We're going to look at the person of Christ here. And we're not trying to start any controversy. We just happen to be in a text that has to deal with this. I could skip it. But if I did that, then I'd be held accountable for the Lord. You guys know that I can't skip words. I can't skip phrases. We do verse by verse, so therefore we have to touch what we have. And uh, so uh, I don't make a lot of comments on it unless we happen to be in a, in a text that's dealing with it. But uh, the apostles, Jesus, their uh, healings were direct. Uh, for one thing, the healing were by words. They were by touch. The healings were instant healings. Uh, they were not just psychosomatic type healings, uh, but they were organic healings. Uh, limbs were restored. A man doesn't have an arm. It's, it's like cut off. There's nothing there. Or he's paralyzed. All of a sudden, he now has the rest of his arm where he just had a stump before. There are functional diseases. There are symptomatic uh, healings. The healings lasted. Uh, we don't see in Scripture where somebody got healed and then later on they went back to what they once were. Uh, no relapses are recorded. Um, the, the thing I think we're going to look at is look at the person of Christ and adore Him. Just be amazed at what He did. And then leaving those uh, gifts also for the apostles. It's, it's, a, it's a wonder 
We should be amazed and just wondering uh, like a, a little kid. This is just something else. This is tremendous. This is awesome. What we want to have is an objective. What is the objective truth here? Here, As we interpret, we want to be fair with the text. Every, uh, everything that we have here, we don't want to go in with presuppositions. You know, with, uh, I don't believe it, or uh, I believe they're there for today. What we do is we go into the text and say, what, what does he mean here? And whatever he means and whatever he says here, that's what I want to abide by. So we have to look at a lot of, a lot of scriptures. And uh, then we'll, we'll try to compare it with today. But uh, with that being said, I think we need to realize that there is definite healing. God heals today. He has never stopped that. We should never stop praying for healing. We should not uh, stop praying for illnesses that people have. Uh, my, we want to do that all the time. We want, we want the best for people, but we know it all, we're not always answered in the way that we would like. We have a lot of flus running around in the last week or two, and it's not necessarily because somebody was uh, unfaithful or was sinning or didn't have enough faith, but uh, we live in a sinful, fallen world, and uh, it still happens. Uh, whether we want to deny it or uh, profess uh, and confess positive statements, the thing is, here's the fact and here's what happens. What we want to look at is the gift in the people. No doubt God can heal anytime He wants. I never want to limit that. He can do anything He wants, when He wants, where He wants, and He does do that. Okay, don't get me wrong about that. That is one thing that I want to impress on our hearts that God does. But what we really are looking at here are the gifts of healing. Just like the other gifts that we have looked at and we will be looking at, what about that? Is that happening today? Or is God using His healing, but not necessarily using uh, certain individuals, uh, one or two or three here and there all over the world, and, and healing everybody uh, everywhere they go? Is this the exact gift or the exact healings that Jesus had and the apostles had? And I think that is a key question as we, as we run through here. Do individuals have that? Uh, we hear today of all uh, of the, the miraculous gifts. And they say, well, we'll be missing out on them if we don't pay attention to that. Um, there are long lines of claims, and we're going to investigate that today. What about the claims that people are making that are just incredible? People uh, being healed from cancers and diseases in, in amazing ways by one individual or another individual. And uh, also that... These claims even come up to the even point of people are resurrecting people from the dead, right and left, all over the place. What about those claims? Are, are they true? If they are, I want to know where they're at, what they're about. Uh, we'll, we'll look into those. Uh, I think it can be claim after claim after claim. Ad infinitum. It just goes on and on. But here's what we do. If, if those are happening, fantastic. Test the Scripture. Test the Scripture with those and people will say yeah but I have this experience and I know somebody that this happened to and, and I know about that and what I'm really saying is first of all test it with scripture the issue is what does the Bible say and uh, I don't want to have any vendetta one way or the other I don't have any revenge I want to have uh, an act of Christian love and have the right motives and say, okay, what is it saying here? What does the Lord mean? 
Uh, I want what the Bible says, nothing more, nothing less, right? We want to take that at face value. So uh, let's get at it. You guys ready? Okay. What does the Bible say about the gifts of healing? We're going to try to go into a lot of Scripture. Since the fall, since the fall, disease has been a reality. Sicknesses. Death is a reality. Bad news, right? Man broke God's law. Since then, we inherited that sin from Adam, as it said in Romans 5. The things in the world, they cry out in Romans 8 for a renewal, that there would be a resurrection. We need new bodies. We really do. But ever since that man sinned, people have been searching for cures. And you know what? I don't, I don't blame them. Because <laughs> I hate diseases. If there's anything that I could do about it, if I could change it, if I could go in and heal everybody, I would love to do that. Wouldn't you guys love to do that? Wouldn't you love to have that gift? But people have had to come up with that. And you go even to the uh, uh, Aborigines, all the tribes, and you'll see some kind of of mixture potions that they come up with, the witch doctors and such, all the way up to modern uh, medicine, the complex hospitals and all the research that they've done. There's been a lot of things that have happened in that realm that we praise the Lord for. And I like also what what I really espouse and, and many of you guys believe in is that preventive medicine is probably the best thing that we can have you can take medicine afterwards, but we don't exactly know what's going to happen when you take this particular pharmaceutical medicine, what will happen. You could even die out of it, or serious things can happen, and they warn you beforehand. Um, not saying that medicine is wrong, I'm just saying that God has given us certain things. Certain things that we, um, we know that can be helpful. And I think of even the Manatech, not even trying to do advertising here, but that is stuff that because of technology and things that modern uh, searching has come out with certain things that can help us keep from having that. And we're talking about uh, cell-to-cell communication, those kind of things, that which are scientifically have been discovered. And so we know that uh, those kind of things help. God uses all those things. There's a lot of things that come into play. And there's no way you can cover all this in a space of uh, like an hour. But uh, it's been said, and now we're going to go back to Jesus. It's been said in the three years that He did, He wiped out really all the diseases, or almost all of them. Whenever He came into this world, it was a sinful place. It still is. But he had so much compassion, and there were a lot of reasons that he healed, but the biggest reason was that he was showing that who he was, is that he was, was God. But can you imagine that? This really sin-infested, disease-infested world that he comes into, he comes in and almost eradicates what's in Israel. He went all over the country. He'd be preaching. He'd be teaching. He'd be healing. Every day, all day long, he went to the poor, he went to the destitute, he went to the diseased-ridden people, and he preached the gospel, taught them, healed them. They were amazed. You see that over and over and over and over again. Now, can you imagine 
Now, I'm just, I'm just imagining, what would happen if we could do that today? Would you be amazed by that? Wouldn't you want that to happen if that was God's will? I mean, seriously, wouldn't we want to do that? Imagine going into the hospitals, going to the sick and the poor, the, uh, the destitute, the people who could not help themselves that are in terrible condition, going to the nursing homes and going through there and healing everybody. Would you want to do that? I bet there's not one here that wouldn't mind doing that at all. If you could do that, you wouldn't mind going into St. Mary's Hospital, walking down the halls, taking your whole day and healing everybody in there, and it clears out the hospital. Going the next day, people then delivered in there, boom, you, not, you blow them out. <laughs> I would love to do that. I can't. Wish I could. But if all the people who claim that they have this particular gift went right down the halls of the hospital, what would happen if they could do that? If they're really that? You'll notice that most of the time, or always, it's usually in their environment. It's staged. It's set up the way that they want it. They start at a certain time. They end at a certain time. Um, that's something to keep in your mind. Where did Jesus go? He didn't have His own environment. He didn't have people come to His house. But He went to them. And He healed them right there and completely and in every way. All the infirmities. And we'll see those passages where all the people that were there, they came to Him, He healed them. He healed them all. I'd love to do that. Roman Catholic Church has made many, 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 many claims of healing down through history. They have made claims of healing people in just amazing, miraculous ways. They have used the so-called bones of John the Baptist. I kid you not. The bones of Peter. And with those bones and the relics of the cross that they even have, they even have some relics that came from the cross, they say. All these are claims. And they would even heal with Mary's breast milk. Somehow they were able to save that. I mean, you go into the deep darkness of Catholicism and you will see some things you'll be shaking your head at. You would be amazed at what Catholicism has at its roots, at the bottom of it all. Then today we have psychic healers that claim to do bloodless surgery, even claims to raise the dead. They materialize things. Something is not there and all of a sudden it's there. It's like they... They had so much faith that it came up. There are spiritualists, there are witch doctors, there are occultists who make remarkable claims. And some of them, I don't necessarily doubt that they do happen. Where's the source? And so shortly we'll be talking about what about Oral Roberts? What about Benny Hinn? What about Catherine Kuhlman? What about Kenneth Hagin? And countless others who have made the same kind of claims. If they can do all those things and it's meant for everybody, I want that. I want to be able to do that. What do we make of all these claims? What do we do with them? These things seem to be happening. What about that gift of healing? Well, we have to look at Christ first. Let's let's look at Him. He sets the basis for all the gifts. Jesus healed. The reason He healed was to authenticate what He said was true. It was supernatural healings. He was showing that He was God. He did have compassion on the people. He still does. He still heals. He will continue to do that till one of these days we have resurrected bodies and won't be need to be healed anymore. But the spiritual 
is far more important than the healings, miracles, powers, wonders. People seek those things because there's a flair of the dramatic that they really seek for rather than Christ Himself. That's what was happening in all of His places where He went. In John 2, He said He knew what was in the heart of man. They believed Him for the signs that He did, but what were they there for? To see this, to experience it. Hey, if I was blind and I heard a, uh, a man was healing people of blindness, you know what I'd do? I'd go there in a moment. And if, I had, if there was evidence of this, I would go there believing He could do it. I would do that. That's what was happening. But the thing is, people as a whole were not seeking Him for truth and who He really was. They just wanted what they could get out of Him. They even sought Him for bread in John 6 after He fed the 5,000. And then the next day they're out there hunting for Him and, and uh, wanting Him to feed Him again and, and to follow Him everywhere He went. They wanted Him to turn miracles over from their own way. Now let's look at Matthew 8. One way that He healed was with a word or touch. This is just one of the ways that He did it. Many different ways. And in Matthew 8, verse 5, Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to Him, pleading with Him, saying, Lord, My servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. Okay. Centurion, servant, paralyzed, tormented. This is a a horrible condition he is in. Without reading everything here, uh, I hate to skip, but we've only got so much time. If we look down to verse 13, here's what happens. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. His servant was healed that same hour. The servant wasn't even there. He just said it with a word. And we have a healing. A word or touch. Um, Look at verse 16 and 17. Matter of fact, look in verse 14. Now when Jesus had come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother. That's his mother-in-law, right? Peter actually was married. I wonder if the Roman Catholic Church knows that. Have you ever wondered about that? They say that their priest uh, and all of their clergy and all, all the way up to the Pope is not to be married. And then they claim Peter as their first Pope. And he was married. Isn't that interesting? Uh, anyway, moving on. Just thought I'd throw that one out, right? Lying sick with a fever. That's a good verse to hold on to there. So he touched her hand. There he touched. And fever left her. She arose and served him. <laughs> She's sick, just sick with fever and everything else, and boom, he just touches her, and then she gets right up and starts serving the people. Amazing. This, aren't these wonders? I'm amazed at Jesus Christ. He is the one we follow. Look in verse 16 and 17. When evening had come, okay, He healed the mother-in-law. Now you've got a lot of people coming into the house too. When evening had come, they brought to Him many who were demon-possessed. And He cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. Everybody that came there. That it might be fulfilled, which is spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying He Himself took her infirmities and bore her sicknesses. So we have Jesus now healing sicknesses, people coming to Him, casting out demons, and everybody that came there was healed. 
Look in Mark chapter 5, verse 27. We see another one about Jesus. And this one has to do with how instantaneous it was. Right on the spot, just like the other ones, but it's emphasized here. In Mark 5, did I say 27? Well, verse 25 says, A certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. She had this issue. And had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind Him in the crowd and touched His garment. For she said, If only I may touch His clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. What do we have there? An instantaneous healing. Uh, Verse 31. But His disciples said to Him, You see the multitude thronging you, and you say, Who touched Me? And He looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before Him and told Him the whole truth. And He said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. And uh, continue on with that. Uh, there again, we have this word or touch. Uh, got touched there. It was instantaneously. It was immediately. In Luke chapter 4, we'll see that it was done totally. It was done at one time. It wasn't over the course of days or weeks or months. We see that it was something that didn't come back. It was, it was done and uh, it was a total healing. Luke 4.38 Taking a moment here, I think I got down the wrong scripture here. Anyway, you know what? Wrong book. And Luke, but I turned to John. Would you believe that? Wow. Okay. I knew that to be here. Uh, we this one, thirty-eight and thirty-nine, is dealing with the mother-in-law again. Um, Verse 39, He stood over and rebuked the fever and it left her and immediately she arose and served them. Verse 40, Then when the sun was setting, all those who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to Him. And He laid His hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many crying out and saying, You are the Christ, the Son of God. He rebukes them and there's a a healing there. But everybody that is being brought there to Him are being healed. Chapter 9, verse 11. This is the way that Jesus operated. This is um, just incredible, isn't it? Here, um, He's sending out the twelve to preach. And uh, so He preaches the Word, comes to Bethsaida, verse 11. When the multitude knew it, they followed Him. He's in a deserted place at this time. And He received them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God. There's His preaching and teaching. And healed those who had need of healing. Those who had the need of healing. He healed them. He took care of them. took care of all of them. So it's a total healing. It's an everybody kind of healing. In Mark 5, one of the most incredible things that happened is found in Mark 5, verse 35. What a wondrous Jesus we have. 
While he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? It's too late now. No bother. As soon as Jesus heard the word that he was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. He permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult and those who wept and wailed loudly. When he came in, he said to them, Why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. That's what he said. And they ridiculed him, but when he had put them all outside, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was lying. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha Kumi, which is translated, Little girl, I say to you, arise. What would you think if you're sitting in this crowd and all of a sudden he comes to this dead girl and he does this? You don't know anything about him. All you're doing is saying, you're saying, why? why is, what's he doing? She's dead. It's, it's, it, why waste his breath? Immediately, the girl arose and walked. She was 12 years of age and they were overcome with great amazement. There's Jesus healing and here's Jesus raising the dead. Look in Luke 7. I wonder how many of these He did. I don't know. We only get so many recorded. There are so many that it could not be recorded as John says in John 20. Luke 7, verse 11. Now it happened the day after that he went into a city called Nain and many of his disciples went with him and a large crowd and when he came near the gate of the city behold a dead man was being carried out the only son of his mother and she was a widow and a large crowd from the city was with her when the Lord saw her he had compassion on her and said to her do not weep then he came touched the open coffin and those who carried him stood still and he said young man I say to you arise So he, who was dead, sat up and began to speak. And he presented him to his mother. Then fear came upon all and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen among us and God has visited His people. What a statement. This is is a prophet of God. God has been here. Wow. Uh, I'm sure that people are saying this is supernatural. We know that... He was dead or she was dead. We know the condition of it. We can think of the blind man in John 9. You can go on and on and on. In John 9, the man was born blind so that the glory of God would be seen whenever Jesus did that. It was all about His glory. Only God has this power to be able to do this. But He did pass this gift on to the apostles. So we know it was not only Jesus had this gift, but also the apostles had this gift. They did it while He was alive. And they did it after He ascended to the heavens. And what they did was the same thing Jesus did. In the same manner, the same way. They authenticated the Gospel by doing these acts. The message that they're preaching is true. And that is the key. The message is what it's about. Because... Somebody can be healed and that's great and wonderful and fantastic, but if there is not a spiritual sense in that they are born again, they become believers in Jesus Christ, what good is that healing? It may make them feel better for a while, but if they go to hell, as far as eternity is concerned, it really isn't much, is it? 
His main concern is to give them the gospel, the very truth. So the apostles did the same thing. We turn to Matthew 10, and they do some incredible things. We know it is given by God to do this. And when He had called His twelve disciples to Him, He gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. All kinds. Now that happens while Jesus is still around. And so there were times that that would be done. If we look in Acts chapter 3, we see after Jesus has ascended, the same kind of thing going on. Now Peter and John, they're at the temple. Find out in verse 2, there's a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple which is called beautiful to ask alms from those who entered the temple who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple asked for alms and fixing his eyes on him with John Peter said, look at us. Look at it, right here. So he gave them his attention expecting to receive something from them. He's going to get some money. Maybe there's a lot of money he's going to give me. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have. I'm sure the man is going, oh no, I need the money. I need it. But what I do have, I give you. What is that? In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Now Peter says this. You say, well, okay, Jesus did those kind of things, but you know these are mere men. Ah, uh, but they've been given a gift. He took him by the right hand lifted him up immediately. His feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who was begging alms at the beautiful gate. That's the same one has been doing this for years. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Are you filled with wonder? Are you filled with amazement? This is a supernatural God working here through these apostles. Well, you're in Acts 3, right? Turn to chapter 5, verse 14. And believers were increasingly added to the Lord multitudes of both men and women. So they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Maybe some of them can get a heal as Peter just happens to walk by. You know, they'll just throw, put them out there in the street. Also a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits. And look at this. And they were all healed. They were brought to that place where they knew Peter was at. And everybody was healed. That was brought there. Right there in the streets of Jerusalem. That is authenticating a message, isn't it? Especially in that place. So, what a gift. Chapter 9, verse 32. Now it came to pass, as Peter went through all parts of the country, that he also came down to the saints who dwelt in Lydda. There he found a certain man named Aeneas who had been bedridden eight years and was paralyzed. 
It's not a psychosomatic disease here. He's paralyzed. He cannot walk. Probably can't move, can't move his arms. Who knows? We don't know. He's paralyzed. Peter said to him, Annas, Jesus the Christ heals you. Arise and make your bed. Then he arose immediately. So all who dwelled at Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. The words are spoken. There are healings. People respond. They turn to the Lord. Quite a thing that's happening. Acts 9.36 Since we're already right there in Acts 9. At Joppa there was a certain disciple named Tabitha which is translated Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds which she did. But it happened in those days that she became sick and died. When they had washed her they laid her in an upper room. And since Lydda was near Joppa and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent two men to him, imploring him not to delay in coming to them. Then Peter arose, went with them. When he had come, they brought him to an upper room. And all the widows stood by him weeping, showing the tunics and garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. But Peter put them all out, knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. Now Peter knew that Jesus had done this before. Does the same thing. He knows what's going to happen. She opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. I think if you were anybody else, you'd probably be freaked out. She sat up. Then he gave her his hand, lifted her up. When he had called the saints and widows, he presented her alive, and it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed on the Lord. So it was that he stayed many days in Joppa with Simon a tanner. He gave the gospel there at Cornelius. Whole delegation. Simon preaches the word and people like Gentiles become saved. Incredible thing. This is from our God. People raised from the dead by Jesus. He said, okay, that was Jesus. And we know he raised Lazarus and others. Peter, a man like us, Raises the dead. And the next time someone claims the gifts of healing, you might ask them saying, could you hop in the car with me and you take a ride out to the cemetery and tell them to start going at it because we can make an impact on the community around if we can at least get a few of these raised. I would be convinced. See, through the book of Acts, they go into a city Preach the Word, perform a healing, preach a sermon. People believe the Word. That's the way it was done. Jesus did it. The apostles did it. The message was given as a confirmation. They were not just giving their opinion. People would hear this message for the first time and how would they know for sure that this is real? Yeah, what you're saying is really cool, but why do you think I should believe it? But if you have authentication... Hmm, that make an impact. Whenever they heard the news that they killed their own Messiah, and they were held responsible for that, and they were in their sins, and they needed to repent, and now they get this backed up, I think that might make an impact on you if the Lord is drawing you, right? They were told something that was so hard to believe. Yeah, your Messiah was here, and you killed the Messiah. That's what they would preach. 
They couldn't argue against that miracle that backed up what they heard. So they healed the way that Jesus did. It was instantaneous. It was complete. It was with a touch or word. Everybody was healed that was around. The diseases were organic. Not psychosomatic. What about other people in the book of Acts? Were there other healings? Were there other were there gifts given to others? Yeah. Look in Luke ten. Luke ten verse one. I, I said the book of Acts, but let's go back to the, the seventy. Where these are not the twelve now. These are not the uh, twelve apostles, but they are part of the, those seventy disciples. And Luke ten, verse one, we're trying to be well, I don't know if I can say exhaustive. You know, there's exhaustive concordances. You guys familiar with Strong's exhaustive concordance? I'm not, I don't have enough time. We'd be spending weeks here going through all the miracles and great things that was done. But just giving a little glimpse, aren't we? Verse 1. Now it came to pass, as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased... Wait, wait, wait. Am I in chapter 10? No, I'm in chapter 11. Okay. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also, sent them two by two before His face into every city and place where He Himself was about to go. Now, so there is He appointing those 70. What happens with them? We turn to verse 9. Here's what they did. And heal the sick there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Whatever city you enter, they do not receive you. Go out into the street and say, The very dust your city which clings to us, we wipe up against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near you. The kingdom of God. That's what they were preaching. The kingdom of God. They were healing and showing that what they're saying is right. What about in the book of Acts? Dennis, my book says 72 others. Okay, I'm not so sure why you, you have me you have me stumped there. Uh, he sent them two by two. You have the seventies, and then two by two. But I think the idea is there are a lot of them that's going there. I'm not so sure how that why that's reading that way, but uh, good point. But we definitely know there's two by two. So they went together and they traveled together on it. Um, in Acts chapter eight. You have Philip. Now, he's not among the 70. He's not among the apostles. And he's a guy that goes around with this particular gift to heal. Uh, verse 4, Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere. And that's, that was the good thing about persecution in the church. The church had to start scattering. Go away. And uh, they loved it in Jerusalem. They, everybody would want to stay there. That was where everything happened. And so persecution comes on and boom, they now have to get out. And so this is what happens. This is where Philip comes in. Philip went down to the city of Samaria. Now that's a strange place to be going to, isn't it? He goes to Samaria. The Jews hate the Samaritans. Samaritans hate the Jews. But there he goes. He preached Christ to them. The barriers are being broken down, aren't they? And the multitudes, with one accord, heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing... And seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Now he's going to places that is not the Israel that we know it. It's in an area where uh, it's the enemy as far as the Jews are concerned. 
and He's healing them, paralyzed, the lame, organic situations. Well, that was Philip. Philip preaches the message uh, later on, and we know. Uh, matter of fact, I think Philip preached the message to the eunuch, didn't he? Went into Isaiah and Word of God. Well, that was by somebody who already believed the Word of God. He didn't need to see anything. All he was wanted to be convinced is what does this passage mean here in Isaiah 53? And he believed. How about Paul? Did Paul do miracles? Did he have healings? Did he have this gift? Yeah, he did. I'm just going to do one. It's right at the end of Acts. Acts 28. Acts wasn't... I mean, Paul wasn't even part of the twelve, wasn't part of the seventy, but he was considered to be an apostle. Acts 28, verse 7. In that region, there was an estate. He's at Malta. Of a leading citizen of the island. The main man there. The mayor. (laughs) Whose name was Publius. Who received us. Entertained us courteously for three days. And it happened that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and dysentery. Paul went into him, prayed, laid his hands on him, and healed him. So when this was done, the rest of those on the island who had diseases also came and were healed. They also honored us in many ways, and when we departed, they provided such things as were necessary. There's Paul doing it. Just see a verse or two. But there's an authentication. John 20 gives us the reason why so many signs and miracles and wonders were done. John 20, verse 30. And truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of His disciples. It wasn't done in the back rooms or where there wasn't anybody around. It was where there were people, witnesses, which are not written in this book. There are many things John never really put in there. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in His name. What is the reason for a sign? Do we worship the sign? When we're driving along the road, do we stop there and start hugging it and kissing it and go, this is just amazing, wonderful. This is a beautiful sign. It's pointing me to Jeff City and I'm almost there. It's five miles away. <laughs> no. We say the sign is, is telling us where we're really headed to. The real substance of it all. Right? That's what the sign is about. That you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. He's the Son of God and that you would have life in His name. John said, I don't have time or space to be able to record all those, or really only about seven, eight miracles in the book of John. You look in Luke, you will see healings all over the place, or in Mark, many, many places. Like we say, we don't really have that. Would you say that historically these things happened in an amazing way? Absolutely. And... The gifts were given, and we see uh, right there in that early church day, it was it was practiced and done. Um, in the wilderness, going back to the Old Testament, you have Moses and the people spending forty years out in the wilderness. How were they fed? Manna. 
They didn't have to produce this or anything on their own. It was there every day, except the Sabbath. They'd have enough the day before for that particular day. God provided that. Would you say that was supernatural? Yeah. This just came from heaven. God provided it for them. They went into the promised land after 40 years. Did they continue to eat the manna? They didn't, did they? Because there was food once they got out of the wilderness that God had already provided. If you look in Joshua chapter 5, just give you an analogy here. Through the Mosaic time period, there were a lot of miracles. Miracles done by Moses. God working through Moses. That was a time period where you saw many, many signs and wonders. After the time of Moses, you really don't see um, uh, explicit amounts uh, or anything really, really happening in that miracle realm until Christ comes into play again and the, uh, the apostolic age there. And in Joshua 5, verse 11, this is after Moses has died now, they ate of the produce Verse 10 is talking about the Passover, 14th of the month, uh, plans uh, Jericho. They ate of the produce of the land on the day after the Passover, unleavened bread and parched grain on the very same day. Then the manna ceased on the day after they had eaten the produce of the land. And the children of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate the food of the land of Canaan that year. And from there on out. They didn't partake of the manna that God had provided for 40 years. And what you have here is a miraculous sign gift or a gift that was not needed. They had the food there. Um, I don't think the... uh, If you have sign gifts that are pointing to something, they are not necessarily intended to be uh, around in a sense that all Christians really should be healthy all the time. I would like to see that in Scripture. And if it were there, I would love to claim that. But I don't see it. Matter of fact, I see quite the opposite. You can say, what, God doesn't want us healthy all the time? No. Uh, because if you remember, people die. People still get sicknesses. The people that make claims are people who get cancers, that get diseases, that get ate up also, and they die. I'm glad that our bodies die. They have to dwindle. They have to get worse. Not everybody always gets sick. I don't like to get sick. don't want to talk about it. I don't wish it on anybody. And I pray that people would not have to go through that sickness and that they would be healed. I pray that. But it's not always God's desire that all Christians be healthy all the time. That's a claim that's being made by some people today. If that were true, I would would buy it up. But all I have to do is look at Scripture and I see that um, disciples, apostles, Timothy, many others were sick. They had to suffer afflictions. David suffered afflictions. If you turn to um, Psalm 119, verse 67. 119.67. David writes this. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. 
But now I keep your word. Drop down to verse 71. It is good for me that I have been afflicted. Why? That I may learn your statutes. If we look in Hebrews 12, we see that God's people are chastened and or disciplined. There are reasons we have to be afflicted. If you look in Numbers chapter 12, verse 9 and 10, you say, what kind of God is this? 12, 9 and 10. So the anger of the Lord was aroused against them. This is whenever there was a dissension uh, by Aaron and Miriam. God is angry. And when the cloud departed from above the tabernacle, suddenly Miriam became leprous as white as snow. Then Aaron turned toward Miriam and there she was, a leper. God did that. He also did that during the time of Isaiah to a king. He put leprosy on him. We also see other things that God does, but... Uh, in Deuteronomy 28, uh, you, you get the blessings and the cursings. Of course, there's a lot of disobedience there, but there again, we uh, know that we're still in the flesh, we still sin. There are things that God has to, and it's not always your particular sin, but He uses these things to bring glory to Him. If we look in Philippians now, in the New Testament, as the New Testament expanded out, you have writings from Paul and many others. We see the church had a birth. It was growing. It got to a point where the Word of God had been spread out from Jerusalem, Judea, to the uttermost parts of the earth. There was a guy by the name of Epaphroditus. In Philippians 2.25, it says, Paul says, Yet I considered it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need. And since he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick, for indeed he was sick almost unto death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. There we have Epaphroditus who had been sick for some time and people were sick to death because they thought they were going to lose him. Paul thought he was going to lose him. And God had mercy on him. Kept him from dying. But there was one who was sick and the Apostle Paul couldn't do anything about it at that time. I'm sure he prayed for him, but there was a reason. Uh, look in 2 Timothy 4.20. And we're talking now to believers. We're talking about people who didn't need an authenticating sign. They already believed in God. They were serving God. Epaphroditus was quite a servant. In 2 Timothy, after Thessalonians, right? 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 20. Yeah, okay. Erastus stayed in Corinth, but Trophimus I have left in Miletus sick. Here, um, Paul is in jail and he's saying, hey, come before winter, bring, bring the things that I need, and my books and such. And he says, uh, oh yeah, um, about Trophimus, uh, he was in Miletus sick. He was a believer, but he was sick. Why, couldn't, why didn't they use the gift and heal him? We just don't use those gifts in some kind of um, 
flagrant manner, just, just throwing it out there, what was the reason for the gifts, for this particular gift? To authenticate the Word of God so that people would believe. In this case, we have a sick person who's a believer, but they couldn't do anything about it. First Timothy chapter five twenty three. No longer, Timothy, drink only water, but use a little wine for your stomach's sake and your frequent infirmities. Paul couldn't do anything about it. He had sicknesses. He had infirmities. Was it because he was unbelieving? No. God's healing purposes are not to be perverted and twisted as they would be today. They were really for a sign that people would uh, come to belief in Christ. So how do we explain all those things going on out there? I think it's good to understand the difference between functional disease and organic diseases. Functional has a perfectly good organ, but there's something else that's not functioning properly. Uh, Organic doesn't function properly at all. It doesn't even. There's nothing there. It's, it's almost like it's no good. It's almost like it's dead. It's destroyed. Uh, it, it's crippled. It's maimed. That's the kind of thing we're talking about in an organic thing. A functional has symptomatics or just symptoms without really a reality. Organic has not only the symptoms but a reality. And so the so-called healers can only deal with functional. Symptoms and not organic. So they change. What happens is they change the thinking process of these particular individuals. Uh, corrections can be done by particular people. Whenever there's something wrong, you start correcting that. Doctors do the same. They'll give a medicine to somebody and say, "24 to 48 hours, you'll feel a lot better." And sometimes people do. At least, at least the symptoms are gone, but the real problem might still be there. Uh, there's a positive thinking, a hypnosis. Uh, no spontaneous cures are ever found for cleft palates, for hernias, for gallstones, for paralyzation due to injury and that kind of thing. There are no documental cancer cures that was done by Catherine Kuhlman. You won't find one. We find temporary relief sometimes, backaches, chest pains, breathing problems, upset stomachs. But then later you'll find out that uh, these people have that return again. There are suggestions that are given to them. Uh, Today the evidence is weak. It's unsupported. There are so-called testimonies. There are exaggerations. Um, These healers don't go to the hospitals. They don't go to the people. They wait and they get a perfect environment. They set it up, put wheelchairs and uh, other things in there that make it look like people have um, been healed. You can't explain it biblically. We saw how Jesus did it. We saw how the apostles did it. What's happening? Sometimes there's fraud. Most of the time I think that's what it is. There's money issues. Every one of these healers that I know of are asking for money. Uh, Jesus never did that. Apostles never did it. Uh, they're, uh, either they're deceived or are you saying that God doesn't heal? No, I'm not saying that. God answers prayer. Do you believe that? Yeah, sure do. Do you believe that God can heal at any time? I sure do. Should we trust in Him that He can heal us if He wants? Absolutely. But God doesn't heal through the apostolic gift of healing to certain individuals in the sense that they were practiced of all the passages that we looked at. That is why I think when we look at it, 
we have to say, well, what about Benny Hinn? He sure has done a lot of things. Is he for real? By his own confession, by Jack Hayford. Jack Hayford came to him and showed him that he had to be accountable because he knew some things that he was doing was wrong. He went in and made a confession that he was a heretic. And then he went on doing the same things that he did. He was corrected by his publishing company that there, were no, there was no such thing as nine gods. He had that in his uh, first edition uh, of his first book that he brought out, Good Morning Holy Spirit. I remember when it was in there. Nine gods. Yeah, nine gods. Adam could fly because he had control or dominion over the earth and all over the animals, so therefore he could do anything that the animals could do. And he says, yes, birds fly. Adam flew. Do you see the bizarre things that the, I think the most well-known healer in, in the world has done? And he'd confess that he was wrong, say so he wouldn't do that, and then go right back and do the same things. And you can go over that. He has made claims of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of healings. He's been confronted by people. One man said, give me your top five. Out of all these thousands of healings you have, Benny, can you give me your top five? He gave them to him. He went to those people and none of them had any kind of healing whatsoever. I think there's something to that. They must be verified. Uh, Benny has had since then a recent divorce. He's had tax problems. He brings in tens of millions of dollars a year. And he says he heals thousands of people. Uh, Jesus said to have them verified. He said, go to the priest. Have them check it out. If he could do just one, if he could claim one of his healings that are really for real, there have been people that have gone to him. Um, there was a Dallas uh, Morning News that challenged him just to prove one of his healings. He never gave it to him. Ken came up with one. I, I know this is hard to believe. He said, how is he getting away with this? Hen actually met with Hanegraaff and handed him proof of the healing of an abdominal tumor. Somebody had a, a tumor. That's like cancerous, right? And it's, for sure enough, the x-ray was there. It showed a large mass. Okay? That person had gone to the healing show and miraculously, that tumor disappeared. You say, Dennis, what about that? Benny Hen healed him. Well, as proof, Hen hands uh, Hanegraaff this x-ray after the crusade. The mass was gone. There's one thing that Benny Hen did not tell you. And this is the kind of character that Benny Hen is. Hen decided to call the radiologist, or uh, Hanegraaff did, to call the radiologist about the x-rays. Benny left out one thing, the timeline. There was a surgical intervention that removed his abdominal tumor. Benny used the x-ray to use proof of that, but the fact of the matter is is that there was a surgery that had been done Benny didn't tell about. Hanegraaff then ran it on his show, had a recording there of what was supposed to have taken place. Benny Hinn got very upset and threatened Hanegraaff. If you want to listen to that, you can actually hear it on Hanegraaff's website as Benny Hinn actually is... Uh, very displeased uh, and threatens Hank Hanegraaff because of that. Um, 
it gets really ugly when you have a stage set where you have empty wheelchairs, abandoned crutches. The viewer is supposed to see that. These medical devices are left because all those people got healed. Those in line at uh, Hens, uh, Benny Hens show that he puts on has lynchmen, we'll call them, people that work with him for him. Those obviously sick individuals, the ones who are on ventilators, are, on, are their quadriplegics, they're not chosen to be healed on the stage there. Never. The ones who are legitimate and have that, they see them. They're not going to take them up there because they know it's not going to happen. They choose who they want. The people with lower back problems. Cancer is a good one to do too. Because you see, there's no way to verify the healing of a cancer on stage. And they say that they have doctors there to do that. What doctor do you know that can just look at somebody without using some kind of blood test or scans? They always do those to prove what is going on, don't they? And he told the Trinity Foundation that his ministry would be decimated if he didn't have the healing done right on the spot. So therefore, those people have to have their cancer shown that they are uh, have truly been healed. Uh, on one video, two women were declared healed. They were followed up on. There's a lady by the name of Laura Twilley. She was dead two months later. Uh, she had been pronounced healed. Another lady by the name of Joyce Vaughn died. Um, matter of fact, it was thought that her life had been shortened because she quit taking chemotherapy. Hen told her in front of thousands she was healed, and this poor woman believed it and didn't need any more of the doctor's advice. Uh, there have been those kind of things. Uh, Hen claims to have raised a man at a crusade that was dead. He claims that. Did you ever hear about that? Did it happen? He says he had it on video. I say, where is it at? Where is that at? He refuses to show the video. He claimed to have uh, turned a man into a snake on stage one time. And then he claimed to uh, heal a person that a pacemaker just disappeared from a woman's body. It was there and then it wasn't. None of these have any documentation whatsoever. There been a couple instances where, you know, I guess we could go on and on. Uh, Evander Holyfield claimed to be healed by Benny Hinn. Later on, it was found out that uh, Hen, I mean uh, Holyfield, never had any heart problems, and uh, he did it first. But uh, when uh, also the doctor was talked about that he really never had the heart problems that he had. Reinhard Bonnke, if you've heard of him before, steps on the platform, says, "I heal the blind, the deaf, the dumb." All the crippled walk. And all of these claims are bogus. They're spurious. They're deniable. Uh, they're pathetic. Matter of fact, they're very laughable. There is no medical documentation for anything that he's done. He does claim a resurrection of the dead. Um, there was a guy in Nigeria that was supposed to have come back from the dead. And that is very questionable too because of the reports. Um, Bonke takes the credit for that because he had been discredited for a good reason. And, um, Bonke and, and then Hen uh, also uh, got in together and they needed to come up with this, this story. So 
Bonte wasn't even there whenever he was supposedly raised from the dead and killed, but he takes credit that he was there, and now the story is out that he was. Uh, Copeland, Hagen, Paul Crouch, Mary, Marilyn Hickey, they teach heresies. They live extravagant, unchristlike uh, lies. Their doctrine is incredibly bad. Uh, Copeland says that Satan conquered Jesus on the cross took his spirit to the dark regions of hell, and then Jesus was the very first one born again. That is horrible doctrine. Anybody who makes claims and they can't get who the person of Christ is. And as a matter of fact, he said Jesus never claimed to be God, but he says also that Adam was manifested in the flesh as God. Adam is a God manifested in the flesh. And you know what? We all are. That's what he says. That's some claims. God just reproducing himself, Morris Cerullo says. He says, you're looking at Morris Cerullo, you are looking at God. These are healers. They claim to be healers. Kenneth Hagin said, the believer as much as an incarnation as was Jesus of Nazareth. They get these wrong. How can you believe anything else? You know, I grew up watching Oral Roberts and I saw those things. I said, how can those things not be real? Oral Roberts was later on asked, can you prove any of your healings? He says, I can't prove that any person or uh, that any person who ever came to me was healed. That is, I can't prove it to the satisfaction of everyone. Not the way that you like it. Did they do the healings that Jesus did, that the apostles did, that Paul did? Did they have the doctrine that's correct? Hagen says that Jesus died spiritually. Faith is a force. It's the will of God that everyone be healed. I recall that I think he got sick and died. It's possible for genuine, true believers to lose their salvation. All of his ministries, he said, were the same form as in the book of the Acts. And Jesus can't do anything about Satan and demons. Those are horrible. We could go on and on. There was a man who was involved in all this and he did this at one time. He was under the spell of the Word Faith teaching. His name is Mark Havel. And he copied everything that they did. And he says, I learned gradually how those speakers like Copeland and Cerullo and Benny Hinn did. And he said, "Uh, I got it from them. And it was manipulation of the audiences. And he learned the process of controlling meetings and inducing hypnotic techniques and it's a hypnotism that it's a suggestion. And people who really want to be healed, those are the ones who come. People who are, are that way. But look what they're doing to these people when they're making all these promises. What happens to all those ones that really don't get healed? The ones who are really for real out there. They are anticipating. They know the suggestions are there. I've taken way too much time and gone uh, not as far as what I so desired. hope you don't think I'm on a, uh, uh, on a kick here. And, but I just want to say, check out everything that you hear. Test it with the Word of God. The Gospel is what is to be preached. These so-called healers, listen to their Gospel. It's not usually the Gospel of grace. It's not the Gospel that we're used to. It is about them. They've done some things that sound really awesome and amazing. And believe me, I went through this for many years. 
You know, and just my little thing is subjective, so you don't have to believe me. Just test it with the Word, though. Uh, I went for years believing this. And just, I couldn't believe that people get up and stand up there like me and do this. All I'm doing is saying, test it out. I, I don't have to convince you anything. But I do say that those gifts were for real in, in the New Testament. And we have now the New Testament. We have everything that we have. When you, when you see... Paul couldn't heal any of some of the believers, his best friends. They can say, what happened? Uh, sooner or later, the New Testament was written. The New Testament is everything that we need as far as revelation from God. If He's still revealing today and doing those particular kind of miracles and signs and wonders, it means He still has to authenticate Himself. So that was the thing that was brought before me. And I had to study it out and check it out for years. Uh, Luther said, my heart is captive to the Word of God. And we can take experiences all we want. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is what, what does the Bible say? Does God still heal? Yes, He does. Is He using some of these individuals that I just pointed out? I think not. I think it's a travesty in the terrible theology that they are presenting before our people. And then I heard John Piper speak on it. He was livid because they take this over to Africa, promising these people healings. And they put on a show. But it turns out it's not even for real. And that kind of gospel, which is not a gospel, I'm not talking about the sin that needs, the, the bad news and the sin that needs to be forgiven, uh, but it's talking about, hey, this can happen to you. And the ones who really have these diseases are not getting healed. But there's promises and they come by the thousands. And uh, if you want to hear John Piper speak on that, it makes you livid too. Because he's telling what's what's going on. It's been searched out, examined. Many false prophets, many false teachers, teachers duping a lot of people today because they're promising people that they'll get healed and they can get rich. Those two go together. I think we have to discern. We have to test them by the light of Scripture. And if they have, if they say they have these gifts of healings, I say because of Scripture, they do not. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and your truth. We look to You. And it's not what I say. And it's not my opinion. But ultimately, it's, it's what Your Word says. And if there be anything here that uh, I've misquoted or mis, um, brought out that was wrong, Lord, I, uh, I ask forgiveness on that because I'm not trying to uh, ruin anybody's reputation. But as Paul did, and as Jesus did, and many others, they warn about these. And I know my duty as a pastor is to warn because there are many um, wolves that are trying to deceive the sheep. And uh, thank you for uh, your truth here. We know that it is true. And you did do those things. And you, God, still do these amazing things. But it's always in your will. Always in your timing. And may we give you glory for what you do in your act and your way. In Jesus' name, amen. We have